All right, so we're starting a brand new series today entitled The Good News. Man, y'all are a good-looking crowd out there. I don't know if you come every week or not, but you're good-looking today. <laughs> you struggle most of I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, new series. All right, stay, behave. Cool. Yeah, so new series entitled The Good News, and I don't plan to be with you too long, um, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And so, um, you know, most, most news or media is extremely negative. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, there are some stats out there, and you really don't know what to believe at any given point, especially when you're on the Internet. But they say uh, about 80% of what's reported on the media is negative. Um, and this, this, this blew my mind in my research. They said we are more prone to... Uh, believe in the negative than we are uh, the hope of the good, hoping for the good. So uh, they know that psychologically uh, they're going to gain attention through negative news feeds and negative announcements. So you have things out there such as how the economy may be doing or uh, a recent school shooting or so on and so forth, all of these unfortunate things. And what tends to happen is uh, it tends to I don't know, kind of force us to paint a perception of how reality is and uh, how the world is and most importantly, how other people are. And so this good news series is all about how uh, when the news of life is bad, um, when the, the news of life is negative, Jesus changes the narrative. He changes it. That's, that's what he came to do. And so what we're going to talk about more so is, you know, the good news, the, the term good news is gospel. So you'll see gospel in the Bible. Uh, there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm, I'm in a teaching mode today, so uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, those are four different accounts of the life, the death, uh, the res and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the gospel there means good news, and there's good news because there is first bad news. And the bad news is that you and I are sinners. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not me, that's what the word of God says. And um, if you've had kids, you know this to be true. You, you don't have to teach your two-year-old to, to sin. They're going to sin. Uh, we were born with it. When Adam bit the fruit, we, we all inherited a, what's called the sin nature or carnal nature. And the bad news is, is that the Bible teaches that if we are uh, to die in our sin, we enter into an eternity apart from God, which is first hell, so on and so forth. But the good news is that Jesus Christ was sinless, and we place our faith in him, and we are made right with God. So salvation is not by works. It's not by ritual. It's not by routine. It's just simply according to the work that Jesus has already done, and you receive him into your heart. Now, that's the good news, but with this series, I wanted to take, a, take it a step even further. And I wanted to talk about how not only the, does, does the Bible talk the talk, but we see in the life of Jesus that he walks the walk, right? So this series is going to be, uh, a lot of the weeks are going to be based out of the book of Matthew. Um, but in which Matthew, he had a lot of teaching. Matthew was predominantly teaching. And there are like six to seven different miracles in the gospel of Matthew that, that we see Jesus involved in. 
And so uh, we, we see where he talks a lot, but he also seeks to demonstrate the power of God in the lives of those around him. And really, that's good news to me because I can hear something good on a Sunday. I can receive the good news on a Sunday. Now what do I do with it? So, so Jesus can, can heal me. He can save my soul. He can make me feel good after an hour and a half of church. But now what does that look like Monday through Saturday? Is the power of God still evident, and is it still real in my life? And so that's what the series is going to deal with. When the news of life is negative, Jesus changes the narrative. And so let's go join me in Matthew chapter 8. We're going to start verse 1. And verse 1 says this, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. I am willing. You, you can make me clean. And Jesus, just as easy as that, I'm willing. I, I'm willing to, to clean your life up. If you, be, if you know I can and if you believe I can, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to clean it up. And I don't just mean on the surface. I'm, I'm willing to get all up in there, all, all in your, all up in your space, like all up in your heart, all up in your soul. I'm, I'm willing to clean it up. And he says this here, he said, be healed. Or, I mean, I guess he screamed it because that's an exclamation point. <laughs> be healed. I don't know how he would have said it. We'll figure it out when we get to heaven. I'm going to ask him, say, hey, when you, when you did that, what, how did you say it? Say it. I want to live. Well, that was, that's the past. We're here now. Anyway, and, uh, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. What? <laughs> what? Instead, go to the priest. And he told the leper or the ex-leper to let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now, leprosy was a serious skin disease. First of all, before we get into the message, just give yourselves a hand clap. This place is packed. You, man, woo, you came to church on a rainy Sunday. Wow, God, there's a revival in Maryland. Wow, man. They, they've given up on states like Maryland and Pennsylvania and New York and Delaware because we're not a part of the Bible Belt, but God is everywhere. And so I'm, I'm happy that you're in church for the next 10 hours with me. Um, all right, so leprosy is, is a serious skin disease. And, you know, it, start, it started out as a white spot, and then uh, over the course of time, it just... It, it grows, it grows and it grows, and um, you begin to see blisters and just all types of fluid come, come out of bumps and boils, and lep leprosy, at certain extents, it begins to eat at the bones. So a lot of lepers, uh, if they had it for long enough, they didn't have certain ligaments and, and so on and so forth. I mean, it, it, it was crazy. It was seen as judgment from God to have leprosy back in the days of, of Christ. 
And so if you had leprosy, you must have done something extremely terrible. And uh, as well, there was a stigma associated with it. So if you had leprosy, because it was contagious as well, you had to be six feet away from the next person. You had to be at least six feet. If you stepped within six feet of a person, they would stone you to death. If the wind was blowing, you had to be 120 feet away from the next person. And so you were an outcast. They would literally put you outside of the walls of the city. And your daily diet was uh, the city dump. People in Jesus' day would put their trash outside of the wall, or they would throw it over the city wall. And so you would have to kind of go through the trash and find your meals. You were separated from your family. If at one point in your life you were normal, you could not see your kids. Um, you, this, is, this was very important. You could not worship God because the temple was within the camp. So if, if you want a viewpoint of it, like the pipe and drape, that's the walls. You existed outside of the wall. And you could not enter in here and sing the songs and hear the message. You could not receive forgiveness for your sins. You were separated from God's presence. And it was believed that only God himself could heal you. Is Jesus God? I mean, we don't have to find a verse to say that Jesus is God. There is one. It's Philippians 2, verse 6. Uh, They're all throughout the book of John, but we can just see how he demonstrated the power of God that he was God. And so Leviticus 13 says this. Like I said, I'm in teaching mode, so maybe if you're going to stay awake, take notes. Um, Leviticus 13, 45 through 46 says this. Anyone with such a defiling disease, a serious or a serious uh, skin disease, I'll read this here, must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. So the only community you had as a leper was other lepers. And you're simply separated based upon an assumption that you were a sinner. And this is what I believe God is saying through this situation with the lepers. You can feel like your imperfections have, have created this great distance between you and God's best for your life. Like, we're not physical lepers, but we may be suffering from some sort of spiritual, mental, or psychological leprosy. And because of these things and these issues that are, are very apparent within our souls, within our hearts, within our minds, these situations, we, we subconsciously separate ourselves or put ourselves outside of the wall of God's blessing. I don't know. It can be an incompetency factor. Maybe you want to you wanna pass a certain test or you want to lead in a certain way or you want to you wanna be in a certain uh, financial or, or economic bracket or tax bracket, but you just can't seem to get there. And so what's happened is you've allowed that, that insufficiency, that incompetence to set up shop within your soul, and it's become a, a spiritual leprosy of sorts, and you, we've subconsciously at times allowed that leprosy to, to, to separate us from the things of God. And maybe for some of you, it's just straight up, I don't know, straight up just dysfunction and addiction 
and bitterness and anxiety. And, and that has separated you, or at least you feel as though it has, from God's best life for you. But today I want to give you three encouraging points. And I don't know if I gave uh, my production team the, the title of the slide. It doesn't matter, but you can write your notes. I want to give you uh, the title of the message, and it is this. There is a way in. There is a way in to God's blessing. There's a way in to his best. You don't, you don't have to create it right now. We don't need it. There is a way in to God's blessing. I want to give you three points of encouragement as we find our way into the camp. Point number one is this. God wants to meet you where you are. I believe in listening to a story like Kayla's, God met her. God met her husband. God met her boys where they were. I mean, they diagnosed her with depression at 15. Are we serious? No. I, I get it. We go through things. But, I, no, no. I, I can't see diagnosing a teenager with depression. They may not know the love of God. They may not have community. They may not have hope, but you are not depressed. There's too much life ahead of you. There's too much blessing ahead of you. The favor of God is on you. The love of God is on you. Prosperity is on you. Healing is on you. There is no way you're 15 and you're depressed. You might be hungry, but you ain't depressed. Come on now. And I'm all for the mental illness thing. I, I get it. We got, we, got to, we got to do better even as a church. We can't claim that all things are demon and we can just cast out in Jesus' name. But what I am saying is, is that we need to train our minds to focus on the fact that God is good. And so God wants to meet you where you are. About two days ago, um, we, were, we were about to go to baseball practice, and my wife asked our oldest son, Jaziel, to go to the car. And... Um, it was about, about four or five minutes had passed by. It was a long time he was out there. And so he, he, he comes back in. He opens the door, and he's, like, frantic. And so me and Pastor Kyra, we're there, and we're just we're looking at him like, what's going on? And he's just like, uh, 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 I need the most help that I've ever needed ever in my life. Bro, you're nine. What, what's wrong? Like, did, did someone stab you? Did someone slap you? Did, did someone take the keys from you and take the car? Like, I didn't know what to think. You, you were scared, and I was ready to jump, jump something. You know, I'm five nine, but I would have I called Lance. I would have called Lance and said, man, we got some problems, man. Now, I didn't know what to think. You know, I need the most help I've ever needed in my life. Like, dude, what's wrong? He said, uh, I locked the keys in the car. I said, bro, it's, it's good. You're good. You're good. Like, and I think most, he, he feared our response to the issue. And, and the same thing with this leper. He was so used to religion saying, you must have done something. You, you're broken. You must have, I don't know what you did, but you deserve to be outside of the camp, outside of God's best for your life. And so what do we do as parents? In that moment, we affirmed him. We cared for him. We met him where he was. We said, it's okay, son. Everyone makes mistakes. We can fix this as your parents. 
And so it says this here. This is so good. Hebrews 13, 11 through 12 says this. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place. So before Jesus, in order to receive forgiveness or substitution for sins, you had to bring in an animal, a perfect animal, kill it, splatter the blood on the altar, throw it in the fire as an offering to God. So an animal represented death. Leprosy was only second in defilement to death. You could not touch a leper because if you touched a dead thing, you were as good as dead yourself. So this animal represents death outside of the camp was where um, a, a lot of things took place. And it says, it's into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So they were sacrificed inside, but they were burned outside the camp. I love this here. So also, watch this. Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So this was, this was like home base for Jesus. The Bible, we just read in Matthew, he came down from the mountainside and met him outside of the camp. Because ultimately, Jesus was going to die outside of the camp to bring those into the presence of God who did not deserve to be in the presence of God, who were sinners, who were broken. He died outside the camp to bring us into the, I know I don't deserve the presence of God. I don't deserve the love of God. I don't deserve the grace of God. But because Jesus died outside the camp for me, he brought me into the presence of God. This is what this is saying. So, so to, to break it down, Jesus loves to meet us in our mess. That, that's where he meets us, is in our mess, in our dysfunction. Well, this was my upbringing, and, and, and this is, you know, well, Jesus will meet you right there. I've made a lot of poor decisions, Pastor. You, you don't know. I'm, I'm a slacker. Jesus wants to meet you right there. I, I don't have the education, you know, I... Jesus wants to meet you right there. I've been through an ugly divorce, and I'm going through one right now. Jesus wants to meet you right there. You don't know what I did Friday night, and, and now I did it again Saturday night. Jesus meets you right there. I'm in a boatload of debt. Jesus meets you right there. I've, I've lost a loved one. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Jesus brings his comfort. He brings his love, and he meets you right there outside of the gate. That's Jesus. That's how good he is. And so Psalm 34 says this, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So number one, the Lord, the Lord hears you. God hears you. This is important to write down if you're taking notes. Simple, but yet extremely profound. When you, when you pray and when you're broken and when you feel like you're outside of the blessing of God and when you've admitted, I don't deserve to be there, and you, and you pray, or, or I'm in this situation and this is tough, God hears you. You've captured the attention of the Lord. Number two, God is near you. This is what the psalm is saying. God is near you. And it's not just his omnipresence because God is everywhere. 
But there's also the manifest presence of God, which is the Shekinah glory of God. God gets near you, and he, he begins to move things and orchestrate things and orchestrate relationships, and, and he begins to do miracles in your heart. He draws near unto you when you call out to him with a broken heart, and God sets you free. That's the goal of God. It's to liberate you. It's, it's to liberate you. God wants to meet you where you are, but not leave you where you are. Someone write that down. That'll bless you. I'm almost done. Go home and chill. Keep it nice and lean. God wants to meet you where you are, but not leave you there. And even if you're in a great place, God wants to take you higher. Don't get satisfied where you are. Number two, your dysfunction has a date with destiny. That's what we learned from this story. I, I remember, and I'll, I'll make this short too, because many of you have heard it before, but um, it was uh, September of 2006. My best friend, he began to invite me to a Tuesday night Bible study. And for about four or five weeks, I was saying, no, I'm, I'm good. You know, I would close the door in his face. And uh, back then, we, we had T.I., Jay-Z, and Lil Wayne, not Lil Yachty and 6ix9ine and T.X. Sheon and I don't know what the heck. I don't know what they're wearing anymore. I don't know what's going on. The dances are cool, but I don't get it. Anyway. We had real rap. And so, um, yeah, yeah, we had real rap. We can clap that up. I know we in church. <laughs> let me not let things of the world get into sacred things here. So, yeah, man, so I, I would do that. I'd close my door, play my video games, turn up my, my music. And so one day he just, he just said, hey, Josh, come for me. Come to church. Anyone ever hit you with one of those about coming to church? Just come for me. No? Okay. Well, it worked for me. <laughs> Maryland, we were here when we started, but <laughs> down south, yeah. So anyway, sorry. All right, so I came, and the, the first Tuesday, I'm like, man, I'm, this was great, man. Because, like, you know, I'm 19 years old, and this young man comes in. He was like 25, and it's like, wow, I'm so used to seeing pastors who are like in their 60s and with, you know, like collars and sweating and like, man, you're cool. You, you're just, just like me, and you teach the Bible. And, and around week three, uh, third weekend, he was teaching about spiritual oppression. And uh, it helped me to realize just how oppressed I was in a lot of areas. Just very insecure. I mean, I'm 19, so I'm prideful, insecure. Uh, second year in college, just issues going on um, relationally. Just a lot of brokenness on the inside of me. So I was able to see that, man, I was, I was oppressed spiritually, but he presented the gospel in such a way that just made Jesus attractive. And I realized that I didn't want to be oppressed anymore. And so in October of 2006, uh, next month will be 12 years that I've been walking with Jesus Christ like hard body. And so... What's interesting about that story is, is that my dysfunction had a date with destiny. And I believe even this morning that whatever it is that is dysfunctional in your life or about you, this morning 
can be the morning or this day can be the day that God begins to work on that thing and make it right in your life. I don't know what it is, be it anger or impatience or unforgiveness or hopelessness or pain. Today, your dysfunction has a date with your destiny. And so Luke 4, I love it here, Jesus, when he was starting his ministry, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. The word anoint means he's set me aside. He's empowered me. He's put a spirit on the inside of me to bring good news to the poor. Now, this is not financially poor. This is the spiritually poor. And he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So, so when, whenever the, the good news of Jesus is like presented to you in a way that it is now, this is like the greatest opportunity. Like, and you got about 15 minutes to just step into it. And so you have a leper who is dysfunctional, he's broken, he's outside of the camp, but then you have Jesus' mission statement. This tells me that God was extremely intentional and that Jesus was extremely aware of the fact that he was going to encounter this guy one day. He was going to come face to face with this individual. It was the, it was the, it was the intention. It was the, it was the reason by which he came. He didn't come for any other reason. He didn't come to vacation. He didn't come to go shopping. He didn't come for food. Read the gospels. He did not come for food because anytime the disciples were hungry, he said, go ahead, y'all eat a burger. I have food that you know nothing about. And that food is to save souls, is to bring hope, is to bring liberty to people who need to know that God loves them. And so this, this, this is very good. And Matthew 8, he comes down the mountainside after teaching Matthew, Matthew 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon ever. Read it, Matthew 5 through chapter 7, most famous sermon. And so thousands of people, Matthew 8 tells us, is following him down the mountain. And you, we just think he's going into the city. We just think that, you know, we got up and we decided to come to church. <laughs> we think it was by our own, you know, that, no, no. You, you, you got here because the Spirit of God got you up, said, I'm going to give you breath. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to dress you. Now get in your car and come to church because I plan to be there. I plan to meet you right where it hurts, right where you're hopeless, right where you need a vision, right where you need a dream. Right where, I plan to meet you right there. I'm going to be there and I'll see you there at 10 a.m. I've come to, to set the captives free. You don't have to live in that bondage. You don't have to live with that insecurity. You don't have to live in that bitterness. You don't have to live in that. I've come to set you free. You have a date with destiny. Every single morning, I don't have the verse. You can write it down. Lamentations 3, 23. It is by the Lord's good mercies that we are not consumed. For his grace is renewed every morning. Every single morning, your dysfunction has a date with destiny. And, and the door is wide open for you to be free. So Jesus intentionally comes down to this mountainside. He breaks all the laws. 
he breaks all of Moses' laws. And the Bible says that this leper approaches him. This leper knows that he is as good as dead. What's so important about this, I'm going to talk to the five people that are really locked in. What's so important about this, because you may not need it now. I don't know. Maybe your bank account's good. Maybe you don't have any leprosy anywhere. But you go have some leprosy sometime at some point. So take a note and pull it out when you need it. So the, 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 the great part about this is, is that uh, when, when he was approaching him, uh, uh, the leper knew that he was breaking all of the laws. And the thing about this time and day where the spiritual leaders would not come within those six feet of lepers. Jesus' ministry is building. We know he's a spiritual leader. So Jesus is coming straight for this individual. And the leper approaches him, and I love it because if we're not careful, we can just come on a Sunday, and it'd be just like the rest of the churches that we were raised in. It becomes a religious thing, but we don't understand and recognize that Jesus is present in the church. And this leper, the first thing the Bible tells us in Matthew 8 is that he kneels. And he says, you can clean me if you are willing. And the problem with religion and just kind of religion means routine. So a lot of you are going to leave today and be not be changed. And Tuesdays, you're going to have the same issues and the same complaints and the same worries. There's going to be no joy. Why? Because when, when Jesus was present, you treated it like it was another religious ceremony instead of recognizing that Jesus was present and just kneeling and saying, come into church with a heart and a posture. I'm not worried about the redskins. I'm not worried about the cowboys. I don't care about men in tights that got more money than me. I need to be here. You can clean me. Right now, some of you need to be writing down just everywhere in your notebook where God can clean you. Anxiety, bitterness, pride independence, unforgiveness. Just write it. Write, write. Don't look at me. Write it. This is, this is the time of the Lord's favor. You can be set free right here. If I went old school, we'd stay here three hours until you got delivered from some of that stuff. <laughs> we'd stay right here for three hours. Write it down. Don't allow another church service to go by and you still have on those same shackles. Don't allow your leprosy to remain unclean. He's willing. He's willing. Your, your dysfunction has a date with, with, with destiny. Jesus wasn't surprised by the leper's condition. Jesus does not come to judge or to condemn. That's not his, his mode of operation. Jesus does not come to judge or condemn. Jesus comes to confront. I need you to write this down. Jesus wants to confront the dysfunction, the pain, and the hurt. And he wants to give us an opportunity to turn our hearts back to him in the posture of trust so that he can deliver us into our destiny. So he wants to bring up the dysfunction. It's clear that you are a leper. 
But, but the reason I'm here is because your heart's in the right place. What that does is that allows me to perform the miracle of fully healing you and setting you free into your destiny. I'm going to switch up a point and a verse because I put it in a different order, but I want to give you the last point. God wants to prosper you. God wants to prosper you. So we see in Matthew 8 where Jesus tells him to, let's pull up Matthew 8. We're way ahead of time. I'm fine. Let's pull up Matthew, Matthew 8, 3 through 4. And it says this here, Jesus reached out and touched him. He said, I am willing and be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Verse 4 says this. He said, then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone. Instead, take, uh, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. God wants to prosper you. So why did Jesus tell him to go? Well, number one, this was a part of the law. But number two is, is this is that Jesus did most of his ministry within the camp. So I need you to catch this. So this healing can be an occasion or it can be a lifetime. So the reason he sent the leper back into the camp was because not only was he able to see his family and to get a job and, and to just be in society again, but it would have afforded him the opportunity of following Jesus. It would have afforded him the opportunity of following Jesus for the rest of his life. And so when we say that God wants to prosper you, that word prosper in the Greek means happy journey. So I just, I want to, I want to present this to you this morning. God doesn't just want to heal you today. He, he wants you to trust him and to follow him and to give your entire life to him so that you can prosper so that you can prosper so that you can be filled with joy and, 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 and happiness and step into your purpose and be the world changer that you're meant to be because as you follow Jesus you, you change, you change I, I'm not the same person I was when I was 19 we're the only species on the earth that has the potential to evolve. You don't have to be the same person that you are today, 10 years from now. You can be in a totally different spot. You, you can just be different. And so God wants you to prosper. So he told him this. So Jeremiah 29 says this. Verse 10, I got the NIV. It says that, oh, I got verse uh, 10. It says this. This is what the Lord says. We'll just keep going here. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. All right, so I, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. So God's plan is to prosper you. 
God, God's plan is to prosper you. I, I know this to be a fact. You can get to a place in your relationship with God where it's not that you don't have difficulties or situations, but it's pretty much where you are invincible to certain things. Because you know that his plan is to prosper you. His plan is to bless you. And so this, this leper found his way in, and his way in was Christ. Because Christ didn't just give him a teaching, but he demonstrated his power. And so in a couple weeks, as a church, uh, we're, we're going to go on a seven-day fast. This just won't be a series of teachings. I, I, really, I really ask that you would pray that you would be involved in this fast. Um, typically, when we fast as a church, we get up at 5.30 in the morning and we have conference calls and we pray for, for healing, we pray for all these different things. But it's, it's during seasons of fastings where you're able to experience the power and the presence of God unlike any other season. And so what we want by the end of this series is for you to truly feel a demonstration of his spirit. We're even going to Probably that Sunday where we end the fast, we'll just fill up the altar and we'll pray for you. That you would be healed, that you would be touched, that you would be encouraged, strengthened. That you would just feel the, the presence of God. God wants to prosper you. With that, church, let's pray. Father, we love you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. You are good. And so, God, I pray for anyone who feels distant and outside the camp. I pray that they would know your love and your affection for them. Jesus, we, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you for just so readily loving us, forgiving us. God, I pray that hearts would be touched. God, I pray that the good news about who you are would penetrate our souls this morning. And God, if there's anyone dealing with condemnation or just bondage or oppression, God, we pray that it would be lifted up in the name of Jesus Christ and that they would be set free by the power of your presence. Now, with every head bowed, if you've never given Jesus your life, if you've never made Jesus your Savior, we want to make that opportunity available for you this morning. And just on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand high. If you are a believer, I pray that you would, I want to ask that you would intercede and pray on the behalf of your future brothers and sisters. There are people in here who need salvation. They need hope. They need to know that there is a God who loves them. And there is a heaven that awaits them. And so on the count of three, we want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. God loves you. He sent the son to down a cross for you. And you just raise that hand high. We're not going to embarrass you. We're all going to pray with you together as a church right there in your seat. So on the count of three, you just raise that hand. Or maybe you're coming back to Jesus. 
You believe in him, but you haven't been walking with him. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you. All right, well, let's pray. Father, we love you. We give you all the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.